amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Good morning, wonderful people, and welcome to another edition of the Black Pill Radio Show. I'm your host, Mr. Tyler. Today we are discussing the women's movement and how the women's movement affects black women. The role of black women in the women's movement. We'll talk a little bit about the history, and then we'll bring it up to present time. I have five wonderful panelists, and they are going to introduce themselves. So first we'll start out with B. Daniel. Hello. I'm filmmaker and author B. Daniel Watkins. And next we'll go with Melissa. Hi, I'm a parenting lifestyle blogger, Melissa. I blog at justabxmom.com. Ashley. Hello, I am a credit repair agent. I also own a business um, to empower women. Um, and also I'm a distributor for, you know, um, basically health and wellness. Chiffon. Yes. Good morning. This is Chiffon. I'm the CEO of Her University. Um, I'm a child advocate, and I am also an advocate for those who have suffered from uh, sexual assault. And last but not least, Miss Kenesha. Good morning. My name is Kenesha Jackson. I am the CEO of a nonprofit called Majestic Hearts, uh, geared toward victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. And I also own a public relations company called Underground PR, and we specialize in women empowerment PR. So I told some of my friends that I'm going to do a broadcast about the women's movement, and I got a lot of different responses Um, on this topic. So I'm going to just open it up and keep it very broad with the first question. That first question is going to go to B. Danielle. And when we say women's movement and how it relates to black women, what exactly are we talking about? Well, my understanding or my interpretation of it would be the current push for equality, the current push for just, you know, it's more so a political sense than anything. I know I was just at a conference this past weekend, and it was talking about the presence of queer women of color in this same movement that we're discussing now. That's why it was so interesting when you brought it up to me. But it's a political sense of this letting us be able to be seen more than what we've been, letting us be able to be recognized more than what we've been, letting us to be treated better than what we've been. Okay. And Chiffron, do you have a different definition or a different experience for you as to what the women's movement means? Well, actually, the women's movement is interesting. And so I think what's happening is that there's light that's being shed on um, situations and circumstances that women have been experiencing for hundreds of years. And if you pull out, you know, certain populations within the female, you know, uh, population, so to speak, you're going to get, you know, a different opinion. Where I stand is that women's voices, girls' voices have been muffled for so long. And this movement is, again, just pretty much shedding some light on the pressures that have been placed upon, you know, the female population, so to speak. So I just think it's good in that sense. However, There is a tremendous gap between um, shedding light and getting results. And so um, I'm interested in knowing from you, um, why do you think it is that the male population for the most part has been slow on the draw to defend, okay, all of these stories and these, these cries for help? When it comes to the female population, um, whether it's LGBT rights, whether it's the Me Too movement, um, just in general, what is it that you feel is missing from the male population as, you know, as it pertains to defending and protecting girls and women and all folks who experience abuse and assault? But why isn't the male population jumping behind her life matters? 
okay, which is something that I have on my website, but why is there such a resistance to that? Let's, let's get your perspective on that, and I think we can jump around from that point. All right, well, we'll get into the questions in a minute because we're not really questioning me. We're having a panel discussion. But before I answer that question, let me just hear what the other ladies think. So I'm coming to Ashley next. Ashley, when we talk about the women's movement and specifically how it affects black women, um, what do you, what is your take on that? Um, I mean, as far as, like, why are we now, why is it more, I guess, important now? Well, it's always been important. It's not about being important now, but it's bigger now it's in the, in, in the sense that it's in the media right it's being it's being highlighted as marches like, uh, in this era now now i feel like uh, we're no longer as black women considered we are but we're not um, like the redheaded quote-unquote stepchild turn to say so it's like we they know how powerful we are they know how powerful we can be and they're just allowed us to you know to slip through a little bit um and before it's over, we're, we're going to be able to take over everything. I think they're it's a, they're afraid of it. Um, okay, so who's they? I mean, everyone else. Even when she said black men, women, white women, white men, any, anyone in the world know how I feel like they know how powerful a black women can be. Um, and we've shown that with education, with finances, with entrepreneurship, everything. Um, so I feel like the movement is only going to get bigger. Got you. So I want to come to Melissa. Okay. I think, you know, I think everything that everybody said is on point, but I'd like to further and say that we've never not been here. <laughs> you know, we're always excelling, and that's why, like what was just said, where, you know, if you look at entrepreneurship, education, all these things, black women do have a power. Brown women do have a power. I think that now, though, it's we're claiming our seat at the table. We're saying, this is enough. You guys are trying to do something, and you're not speaking for us. So now it's time for us to speak for ourselves. We're tired of having to tell our children that they need to be twice as good to get half the pie. Like, everybody wants to say equality. Everybody wants to say, oh, the times aren't as bad. But we all know the reality of it. We're teaching, you know, my daughter's five years old, and I already teach her that if she wants to be accepted in gymnastics, if she wants to be accepted as a scientist, if she wants to be accepted as everything, then she needs to be better than the other people that are doing it because they're not going to expect as much from her. They're going to always look at her and think that she's less than. And she starts from now. She knows her worth. And I think that that's what it is. We've been building our generations, four generations, in teaching ourselves and our sisters and our nieces and our daughters their worth and now we're claiming that seat at the table because we need our voices heard got you and last but not least miss kanisha what is your take on the black woman's role in today's women's movement i agree with all of the ladies as well um when i think of the black woman's movement i think of equality as well politically as well as socially um you know there were several different waves of the women's uh, movement and now we're upon the more modernized uh, wave of women's uh, movement and so yes we are claiming our seat at the table yes we are entrepreneurs yes we are um, educated black women um, we are royal black women we are of royalty so it's it's very important that we refer to each other as such as we when we are sitting at the table, we're acting as such. Um, we're bringing our presence into the room when we walk into the room and wearing our crowns and wearing them uh, with pride and knowing our worth and, and, and knowing such as um, the young lady just explained how she talks to her daughter, knowing that we need to instill those, those uh, morals into our children. So... Yes, we are upon the rise. Um, the black women's movement is a lot stronger than it ever has been before. Thank you, ladies. So I'm going to ask the next question, right? So women are marching, women are speaking up, women are fighting back. Um, there's different races within this group. So my question is, who are you guys fighting against? And what is some, like, let's list some three major issues, because we know there's a lot of issues across the board. Um, and we're also going to get into white supremacy and racism, which is a part of issues that black women face specifically. Um, 
But when we when black women lump themselves in with the group, which considers white women, Asian women, Indian women, Latin women, when you're putting yourself in that group and you say women's movement and it's not specific to black women, then my question becomes, well, who are you guys speaking to? Right. I know you're not speaking to each other. You want to be heard. So who who is this other group that you guys are speaking to? And if you're going to just say men, then we'll tackle that issue as well. And I'll respect that. I'll open that question up to B. Danielle. Well, it's a misogynistic society as it is. So when you ask us who we're speaking to, we're speaking to the society. Because there are even a, a group of women who don't agree with the movement. So it's not that it's about men in general. It's about the mentality that people have about women. Even the mentality, the ignorance of thinking of a feminist wants X, Y, and Z as opposed to understanding a feminist really just wants equality. So as we're speaking to the ignorance of a society that doesn't see us as we see ourselves, doesn't see us as we deserve to be seen, or doesn't even see us as we present ourselves. We are in a position where we do have a power as women not even separating ourselves in a racial, a racial category right now. As women, we are intelligent. We do deserve X, Y, and Z. We do deserve to be seen. We do deserve to be treated fairly. We deserve to be heard. So when we're presenting ourselves, when we're marching, we're marching so that it is an understanding that despite all, we are going to be seen. That's who, and whoever can see us is who we're talking to because obviously there's somebody who doesn't get it. All right. So let's make that specific. When we talk about the LGB community, um, what's the main issue? Like you say, ignorance and mentality. Um, who's the ignorant person who's suffering from an ignorant mentality? See, and then when you when you now categorize it and then bring it up to the, the community, now the LGBT community, it is the homophobe. Okay. It is the racist homophobe. It's the misogynistic homophobe who all they see now is the sexuality. So on top of being a woman, now you see my sexuality. There's so many layers to it because Uh, people just don't, they don't get it. They want it to be something more. Agreed. So can that ignorance be coming from other women? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. So I want to move the next question on to Ashley. Ashley, when we speak about the who, right, you women are fighting for your rights. You feel like you're not being heard. Um, B. Danielle would use words as the mentality and the ignorance. Um, what is your experience? Who are you fighting against or what are you fighting for? Let's be like really specific. Um, as a black woman, I feel like um, anyone who's against me, whether you are black, another black woman or brown woman or white men, anyone, anyone who doesn't feel like I can have the equal rights or I should be able to achieve more than what the next. Um, for example, um, I was actually, I'm, I'm a banker as well, and I was actually, with no banker experience at all, um, I was actually hired in as a manager, as a bank manager. And, um, of course, some of the white men and white women were looking like, oh, like shocked. And that's what I mean as far as, like, equal and why you think I shouldn't be able to achieve more than what you can. So when I, you know, succeed and everything that I want to do and when I, you know, get financial, you know, achievement, things like that, um, that's who I'm, I'm fighting for, fighting against, and that's who I'm speaking to whenever I'm showing them, like, I'm here, I'm not going nowhere. So that They don't understand. They, I guess, like, I shouldn't, you know, I'm less than, but I'm not. So that experience of people, <laughs> people making you feel like you're less than or trying to make you feel that way, um, did that experience come yeah, from... Okay. I, mean, I don't never feel like I'm less than, but they're shocked, like, oh. Okay. So does, yeah. does that experience come from men, or did you experience that with women as well? Both. Both. Okay. Um, and both came from white women, you know. Um, I would, I would, you know, you, you want to feel like a sisterhood, no matter what race you are as a, as a black woman or a brown woman. But um, the reality is everyone's not going to go, everyone's not going to cheer for you, whether they're your same color or not. Um but most cases where I'm from, it's more so white men and white women who are shocked to see a powerful black or brown woman. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Most. Got it. So, Melissa, I want to throw that question to you. When we talk about the who, um, who are we targeting? Who are we speaking to? Well, 
first I'll say, I don't want to fight with anyone. I don't think we learn anything, and I don't think we gain anything by fighting because then we're all on the defense. So I want to sit in. That's why I say about really claiming our seat at the table. We've tried fighting. We've been fighting for years, and it doesn't get us anywhere. It's about sitting down and doing what the previous panelists discussed, showing you I belong here. I'm not just taking up space. It's, and I think it's, you know, we, we live in a patriarchal society. You know, I've never bought a house, but I have a friend that just closed on her house this week, and she's a single woman, and on her deed it says she's a single woman. You know, and I've, like I said, I've never bought a house, so I don't know if our men's deeds it says single man, but I highly doubt that. The fact that it's always about who we belong to as women. You know, we're not supposed to be our own. We're supposed to belong to a man. We're supposed to, we go to buy a car and we get looked at as if we're not as intelligent or don't know as much as a man that's buying a car just because we're a woman. And I think that that's what it is. It's about claiming that space and claiming that equality, that equity. We are here. We are educated. We have a voice. We have a way to teach others. This country, you know, we weren't, we weren't claimed in this country either. Look at how long it took us to get a vote. And women of color, even longer than white women to get a vote. So it's about really now that we're here, now that we've gotten some leverage, it's about saying we're not going anywhere. And I'm not fighting you. I'm not attacking you because if I attack you, you're going to look to attack me. It's about me saying I want to educate you. I want to teach you why I belong here so that you aren't trying to hold the door closed, but you want to open the door for me. So who's trying to make you feel like you don't belong? The, the patriarchic society we live in, everything, it's, it's sexism is about the po- a power plus a prejudice, just like any other ism is, and men have the power in this country. So it's not the individual man, but it's the system that's been set up to say that women aren't equal, and we all know that that's BS. And that's the men's doing or women contributing to that? Well, women didn't create the Constitution. Women didn't create the foundation of this country. So in that sense, it is man-made. But I think that just like any other stereotypes, just like any other isms, it's been pushed on us for generations and for so long that there's parts of it that we believe, where we believe that a woman can't succeed on her own, or a woman can't parent on her own, or a woman can't be a boss on her own, or there always has to be that. So I think that now, just like in any other ism that we deal with, there is that inside pressure that happens where women look at us and we're like you don't are you sure you really belong there are you sure you should be doing that are you sure you should go into the sciences you know sciences aren't really for women that wasn't a woman transpired idea but that's a notion that we've been given for so long that now we're we're combating it we're going against it we're trying to relearn and reprogram it okay so i want to bring that question to chiffon when we talk about the who if there is a who who are the women fighting against? <clears throat> I don't think women are fighting against anyone. Um, like the young lady just spoke, um, and she she was really, really tight with her delivery. I just think that there's two battles happening. And so I'm not going to say it's like against an individual or one particular group um, it really is a, for, for women of color. Um, number one, we are looked at as like third class citizens in this country. And so we definitely come after um, laws that have actually come into play for women, usually um, Caucasian women. And so because we, if we get any justice from a legal perspective, from a judicial perspective it's usually after when white women have been granted a privilege okay and so we're fighting to be on the same level sometimes with our caucasian sisters right and then we have to come back into our communities and we have to then fight another battle And that battle usually is to just stay protected from abuse, okay? And then you have the other battle. Actually, it's another one, which is the, you know, the the imbalance of uh, financial equity 
okay? And so then you can layer it, and then it becomes like this system that it's like a bomb. You know, a woman of color, okay, who is going to usually be susceptible to abuse, psychological, emotional, uh, physical, sexual, and then she's usually not paid, even as a woman, what a Caucasian system would be paid. So now she's operating from a financial deficit, and so now her mental health is at stake, and now that affects the entire uh, movement of the black family, if you want to put it into an African-American perspective. And so I just think that um, women are fighting, if we have to turn it into a fight, against injustices on multiple levels. And that is why we need for all people to get in line and actually support, you know, the, um, the mental health part of this. You, you know, we can talk about, you know, women's lives matter. We can talk about black lives matter. We can talk about all of that. But I can tell you one thing, women of color have, they've been left out. We've been left out of the wings of justice in this country. So we're still just scraping to kind of get to like second base. And there's a lot of evidence to prove that women of color are are marinating in toxic, like, um, chemicals, so to speak, internally. Um, women of color are experiencing depression and anxiety at astronomical rates. And there's a reason for that. So we need to put the microscope there. And I think if we put the microscope there, we'll be able to look at and study what's really happening to women of color. And that's where you'll get all your nutrients, all your answers. You'll be able to solve all the puzzles, okay? So it's bigger than, you know, the women's movement, the hashtag the Me Too, you know, the uh, jumping on board, going to the women's marches. Because women's voices really are not being heard. Um, when you talk about women of color, because they're not talking about depression. They're not talking about suicide. They're not talking about their young black and brown girls, like, needing to be on antidepressants. Let's look at that. Okay, that will tell you what's happening to women of color and girls of color. Okay? Folks don't go and get on antidepressants and and have to, um, you know, get tossed out of school. Black and brown girls are getting tossed out of school, suspended, and all of this because there's something happening under their skin, okay? And we need to address that. So I hope I answered your question, but I'm so serious about that. We have been left out of the wings of justice in this country, and it is bubbling, and there will be some sort of, um, some sort of breakout. And unfortunately, it's showing up on prescription pads. OK, gotcha. we haven't gotten ourselves to the psychologist, but that's what's happening. That's got, the battle. Got you 100 percent. And I agree with what you're saying. And I, I took two points out of what you're saying. So when we talk about white women and pay equity compared to black women, we have white women who are fighting for equal pay amongst white men. But yet they make more money than right. black women, yet they're not fighting for exactly. a pay cut so they can be equal to black women They're not fighting for a pay raise. So black women could be equal to them. They're strictly having a civil war against white men. Black women seem to be jumping into this civil war. But the reality is these white women, in my opinion, are not fighting for these black women on a whole level. There may be pieces of it that you guys, for them, can be included in. But it's really not about black women when it comes to this white woman's fight for equality and this white woman's movement. So when you touch on that point of pay equality, I agree with that. Also, when you talk about black women then coming home and having to deal with the... Uh, the issues that are in the family, I, I think on that level, all groups, whether it be the Asian community, the Latin community, they're all going to have their family issues as well. So there's there's a similarity to that. And then lastly, when you talk about the women being suspended from school and things like that, that's strictly white supremacy and that's strictly a racist society, um, which white women on a whole are not marching on Washington for. They're not marching, marching on Washington for Sandra Bland. They're not marching on Washington for these girls who are being suspended, written up for, for menial things and having records for menial things. Um, 
It's just really not happening. And then when you look at who these people are who are setting our policies and and our laws, they're mainly white people and mainly white men. And these are white men who are raised by white women. So you you really got to come back to the white community and what's going on in their family as well. And that'll help us figure out what's going on with us in policy and legislation that they're setting. I want to bring this question to Kenesha and then we're going to move on to the next topic. Kenesha, when it comes to the who and I'm using the term fight, but it doesn't have to be a fight. You guys can use a different term. But when I talk about who in your personal experience as a black woman um, striving for equality and equal rights, um, who do you feel like is standing in your way? Um, I look at it like I, I definitely agree with the ladies, especially uh, the last uh, lady who was just speaking in terms of equality across the board. Um, I believe that the the state of mind or the thought press process that some are having, um, particularly, you know, will speak toward the Caucasians, um, all that's learned behavior. And as the learned behavior, as one um, young lady said, it's a generational thing. It's a generational pattern. It's a generational curse. So we're teaching our children um, that, okay, this person is not as good as you because of the color of their skin or because their gender or because of their sexuality, um, where we should be looking at the person and, and who they are on the inside and not the outside. I shouldn't be um, labeled as less than because I'm a woman, labeled as less than because I'm black. You don't see um, the LGBTQ community looking at heterosexuals saying, ew, you know, I I don't think that that person is worthy of whatever because they're heterosexual. That sounds ridiculous, but yet we do it as far as that the other young lady was saying because we have homophobes. There are people who are homophobic. You have men and women who are homophobic, black and white, Asian, Latina, Latino. It doesn't matter the the nationality, um, but it's it's all ignorance. It's because of the learned behavior, the things that we're taught as children growing up that seem to to stick with us um, as adults. And then we give that same knowledge to our children, and then they give it to their children. So it's a generational curse that needs to be um, stopped. It needs to stop. Um, as far as women being equal, um, you know, you have the political standpoint and the, the social standpoint and um, these different things that are happening, the hashtag Me Too movement um, for sexual assault. And with April being um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, you have Denim Day that's coming up and um, it's paying homage to uh, sexual assault victims. But there are so many people who are suffering from that, women, men even, and children. Um, and the reality, I believe, I know in my home growing mm -hmm. up as an African-American, whatever happened in our home was our business. And that's something else that we tend to teach our children. Whatever happens in the house and these four walls stays within the walls. And as a result, many of us are still suffering from things that we have experienced as children growing up. As the um, young lady was just mentioning as far as the prescription drugs are concerned, you know, um, that's something that's really being pushed by Big Pharma. So, you know, you have these people here, and, and our gener our nationality doesn't believe in um, um, counseling and, and therapy and things like that. So, you know, we grow up and we're hurting because we're carrying these hurts that we've, we've um, experienced, you know, um, from childhood to adulthood. And it shows every day. It shows every day. So I think the people that we should be – um, kicking and screaming for or to so that they can understand us are the people who just don't understand. It doesn't matter the nationality. It doesn't matter the gender, the sexual orientation. If you're against the women's movement, it's because you don't understand it. So that's my take on it. Got it. And I appreciate your point about learned behavior because it's definitely learned behavior. So a quick little side question. Um, 
should the women's movement concerning black women be a separate movement from white women? And second part to that question is, should we be calling out as women, should we be calling out white women um, for not speaking particularly to some of the, the issues that black women are dealing with when we talk about racism and dealing with white supremacy um, and dealing with inequalities to white women? Um, should we be calling that out and having a separate movement? I'll throw that question to B. Danielle. Earlier, like some of these things become real sketchy and the lines become blurred because one side, as a black woman, absolutely it should be a separate movement. Absolutely they should see the difference. But then as a woman in general, now we're talking about dividing a line and causing more division, causing more animosity, causing more head-to-head combat because we want to be separated. Now we want to be separated. We want them to see our issues and our fight, and then they're looking at us like, but we have a fight too, and you're a woman, so why can't we fight this fight first, and then we come back and fight your fight, which has always been the idea. Let's, let's use the umbrella of the original term, woman. We're going to get what we need to get as white women. Y'all go ahead and follow us and support us. We're going to do what we need to do. And then once we get that, then we're going to bring y'all issues up because we put our foot in the door. So it's like this blurred line of who we should support. Of course, we always want to support ourselves, but the reality of it is we're ingrained into this other movement as well. Morally, should we do it? Probably. So B. Danielle, white women don't experience racism. White women don't experience white supremacy. White women make more money than you. White women get incarcerated less than you. White children get suspended less than our black children. Um, No issues there? Of course there's an issue. I would never say there isn't an issue. But like I say, I always see things from a 360-degree angle, always. And as, as right as you are in that, we should be angry. But there's, like I told you earlier, there's so much more. There's so many different levels. There's so many different layers to this. Is it all happening? Yeah. But are they equal in the greater scheme of things? No. Okay. Melissa, what's your take on that? I have to agree with a lot of what was said on that, just because I think that at the end of the day, we can't expect a white woman to understand what we deal with as a woman of color. We can ex- we can ask them to empathize with it, but we can't expect them to be in our shoes. Just like as women of color, we can't live in a man of color's shoes. We don't know his fears and his takes. We can empathize with them. So to say we want them to fight our fight, yeah, we want them to be part of our fight and help us get ahead, but to say that we need to we need to separate the movements at this point, no, I think it's we work together. It's, it's, if we, it's that whole idea of if we separate then we're giving, we're saying that we don't believe in your struggle. We do believe in their struggle because we have their struggles. Our struggles just look different than their struggles in the larger scheme of things, but we all are being paid less. We all are being told we're less than. Now, when you look and when you separate it by how much an Asian woman makes, how much a white woman makes, how much a Latina woman makes, how much a black woman makes, then there's always going to be a separation. But we can continue to keep separating and separating and separating until our army's gone. So I think that, just like what was said, it's about let's look at this as a whole movement and work within that movement to get us all on the same page. You know, it, it's hard as a woman of color to hear the idea of, yes, what white women have always said, you know, work with us now and we'll get you there later. Because we want there now. We deserve to be there now. But we have to be smart about it. We have to figure out how to get them to understand that when – our children get in trouble in school. Our children getting kicked out of those schools. Our children are getting put into the pipeline for prison. Our children are being removed from our homes at larger numbers than their children are and reach them in that place as a mother. Mothers have the same fears for the most part. Our fears look a little different, again, because of our experiences. But if we can get women as a total, as a whole, to empathize, it goes back again to saying, you know, I'm not trying to fight against anybody. I want you to know where I'm coming from. Because if we can get fathers to understand mothers' fears, then they're more willing to support us. If we can get men to understand women's fears and what really happens and, you know, that whole idea of would you want this to happen to your sister, would you want this to happen to your daughter, would you want this to happen to your mother, that's how we try to get people to empathize. We're not trying to put that man in a woman's shoe. 
We want you to empathize. And I think that's what we want white women in the movement to do, is we want them to empathize with where we're coming from. Because if they can start seeing our struggles through a different lens than their privilege, then they might be more willing to help us move our agendas along. But I think that if we start trying to separate each agenda, then we end up with 32 different hashtags that get lost in the sauce. Like, there's no power when there's 100 things that are really saying the same thing, but because we're departmentalizing them, compartmentalizing them, it takes away some of that power. Okay. I don't think we'll be getting empathy from white women. White women did strange things to black people in the big house. And white women, hold on, hold on, hold on, hear me out. All right, hear me out. And white women are the one who are raising these white men, these white supremacist men, not all of them, but a lot of them, right, that have these uh, racist views. And they're being raised in white households headed by white women. So to ask for empathy, empathy is not really action. Empathy is an emotion. Um, We want action. We want things to happen now. Um, But I do hear what you're saying. I do hear what you're saying. So I want to bring this question to Ashley. So, Ashley, when we talk about a separate movement, black women separate from white women, because we've already established that we have unique issues, um, should we have a separate movement or should we all be together? We should definitely have a separate movement. Um, I feel like a white woman will never understand um, the specifics of being a black woman, what we go through, how we were raised, and the issues that we that we fight against society. Um, now, I mean, we are women. We're both, you know, whether you're what race you are, we are all women. So you would think the basis of it, we're women. We should all be fighting for, you know, the respect and, you know, different things that women need. But then you break it down more. Okay, so you're, I'm, I'm black. You're white. I'm a mom. I'm a mom. You're not. So it's like, okay, maybe she can't fight for me in that. She feels like she can't fight for me in that aspect because she's not a mom. And then you break it down more. Okay, I'm a mother of a, of a mentally ill child, and you're a mother of a you know a child who is seen as looked at as normal. You're still you're still gonna have to at that point you're still gonna be kind of confused. Okay, well how do I fight for her when you shouldn't even think about it? The problem is I feel like other races think too much on how can I help this black woman? Just help me as a woman, you know. But mm-hmm. as a black woman's movement, um, the the reality of it is, is this, and this is how I feel: a white man ran this ran this country, whether they built it or they ran it. So they're going to always automatically bring up their white women with them. You know, then, okay, the black men, you don't see them automatically bringing up the black women. And that's the problem. A lot of black men, a lot of black um, culture um, mentality, I feel like, is let me get there first. I'm going to come back and get y'all later. Instead of saying, let's get there together. Let's see how we can work together to get above. And I feel like that is what's hurting us the most. That's why so many black women feel like it's important to, to, to speak out. Whether we're all saying the same thing, well, I'm going to speak out too instead of coming together and, and being one big voice because we don't have the mentality of working together. All of us don't have the mentality. We have the mentality, okay, you get there first, I'm going to bring you later. You know, and I don't, I don't understand why. I think it's just a part of like a crab in a bucket type of thing, but I don't know. Right. But I definitely think a, a black woman's movement outside of a, a regular woman's movement is very important because then when you mix it together, you're not heard. Your 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 importance that you feel like your beliefs are not always heard. It's kind of like muffled. Oh, we'll hear you. We'll listen to you later when we get there, and that's that's not fair. Got later it. Too late. Got it. And the key thing is they go first, so you're still second class citizen. So, Kanisha, I want to ask you this question as well: um, Should there be a separate movement, or all our issues are the same? Um. While our di- our issues are different, we do have a lot more similarities than differences. Um, I don't think it should be separate, although that's what it is, um, even down to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, just simply because, again, back to the learned behavior, the way, you know, um, the white people were taught growing up, their rearing um, from their parents, Uh, the white privilege, you know, and even before all that, even going back into slavery and you have the the house Negro and the field Negro, um, as time progressed, you know, and slavery was abolished, quote unquote, it, it also brought on a prejudice against each other to where, you know, oh, well, your skin is darker. Let's do this paper bag test. Your skin is darker than the paper bag, so you can't do X, Y, and Z. So that type of mentality, that that learned behavior, 
is a part of our society, unfortunately. Um, I honestly don't think it should be separate. I think that we all should come together as one because our similarity, our first similarity is the fact that we are women. So whether you're black, white, orange, blue, green, purple, rainbow, if you're a woman, you're a woman. And we're talking about, you know, even, I even think this might be a little far-fetched and some of you ladies may think that I'm crazy for saying this, but I even think that the transgenders, if you're, yes, naturally you're born as a man, but if you are living your life as a woman and you want to be recognized as a woman, then they should be a part of the movement as well, no matter the skin color or not. It it should be one big army, so to speak, as the other lady referred to it as. We should march together. We should, you know, help each other empathize and understand each other's struggles because we are very much more similar than we are different. So I think it should be one movement. All right, so Kanisha, I have a question for Women you. Women empowerment. Okay. I have a yeah. question for you. I'm just curious. Do you identify as a black woman or do you identify as a woman? <laughs> um, I identify as a black woman. Okay. Just curious. Just wanted to ask the question. So I'm going to move on to Chiffon. Same question. Should there be a separate movement? Wow. <clears throat> Should there be a separate movement? That's a, that's a heavy one. Well, I don't, well, here's the deal. Here's my answer to your question. I think if, if we, like, well, this is spoken about, it's two-tiered. I think there is a, um, a strategy connected to joining any movement um, that is promoting uh, rights for women, number one. Number two, okay, after we show up in numbers for a general, you know, um, uh, pro-female agenda movement, um, human rights for the, you know, um, the female uh, population, then I believe we need to pull out of that general meeting, so to speak, and we need to then have a meeting amongst ourselves and take complete control over what we are teaching our culture about the issues that have been braided into a pattern of conversation throughout these hashtag movements, okay? And so I'm about solutions, okay? Yes, sometimes you have to be a part of a, of a big pool, and then you can pull out, and then you can take control, and then you can start customizing what needs to happen. So if we're talking about um, getting to a place where we feel like we're equal, which I think is, is a little bit weird, Okay, because as an individual, I don't want to be equal with anyone. I want to be who I am. Okay, and so in doing that, what is uh, who I am is about protecting people from imbalances of power of all sorts. Okay, because that's what this is really about. It's about an imbalance of power. Okay, male, female, white, black. You know, majority, minority. It's like, it's, it is it is a fight for power. And, and, and if, if you look at it, what kind of power comes out of it? So, again, we pull out after we've added to the numbers, okay, and had our voices projected and had our statements made and really do all of that, we need to come back to our community and say, listen, these are the issues that we are facing, okay, as a culture. And this is what we as the leaders of our culture are committed to doing. So, number one, we are going to look at gender inequality, and we have to start teaching and training, okay, what that is to our young, uh, our, our children. I don't have children, but I'm going to say our children because we're not even looking down. We're not planting seeds, many of us, not all of us. But we have to train. We have to take complete control over what we're teaching. So if women, if we look at women and say, okay, like you've made a reference to white women giving birth to, you know, white males and then growing up, you know, this whole white supremacist, like, mentality, then we can look at ourselves and also say something similar. 
which is women of color are giving birth to male children and not teaching them rape is wrong. Okay? Not teaching them, I've been raped, so you should never rape. Okay, are not teaching that you don't go and, and impregnate as many women as you want and not be responsible as a parent. Okay, we women of color who are giving birth to the male population, right? Because we can't keep saying white supremacy. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like when you look at women and when you look at men, let's talk about imbalances of power. Okay, you don't want to be under a woman. And you can't tell me you want to be under a woman. Men don't want to be under women. So now it's like, let's get real. Let's get honest. If we want to change things, we got to come back to our table. Everybody who is a person of color who cares about the trajectory of, of positive human development, right? And so... Okay, get your girls, get your boys together, get your tomboys, get your, um, your, your what's the term, your middle sex uh, uh, child, okay, at the table, okay? If we're going to care and stop labeling, right, if we're going to care about brown and black people, let's just look at people for pe- being human and then say, listen, we got to stop. If you hire a girl, you should not be paying her a 50 cent less than you're going to pay a boy. Okay. And, and then you need to also, we have to also teach, listen, if we're going to grow, we have to take education seriously. We have to teach them about things that are trapped. Like you mentioned, you know, the pipeline, like public school to prison pipeline. We have to focus on the issues that pertain to us. And we're getting distracted by the majority in this country. We need to fold in. Okay, so let me. Okay, and so that my answer is, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so let me jump in here. So what I'm getting from you and a couple of other women, that it, it does start at home, right? So while we may be upset with the inequalities that's going out there, when you talked about is how we raise our boys. Because most of this inequality I'm getting is that you, you guys feel is coming from men, although you acknowledge it comes from a racist society and you acknowledge that it comes from women as well. Right. So which women is it coming from? So when we just deal with a group, black women as a group um, and we do bring it back home to black women. And I'm going to throw this question to B. Danielle. Do black women take responsibility for some of the setbacks that they're experiencing in society from the way that they're raising their children? Let me, let me say that to myself. Tyler, Tyler I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Do you, Tyler, I'm sorry. If, if, if you don't mind, and I, please tell me if, if, no, if, if it's no. But I really just want to clarify one thing. Um, this is not about putting blame on the female. This is about teaching male and female and any gender, you know, identification in between. Okay, as far as young children are concerned, my whole idea is that we it's not about, yeah, we can easily say it starts in the home, but we are a part of a large society. And it would be nice to say, yeah, it starts in the home. Okay, um, there's things that happen outside of the home that can influence a child. And All right, so let me interrupt you for a second. So we're not going to just say that. Well, let me, it's my show, so I'll say what I want. So let me just interrupt you for a second. Um, we're not saying it only starts in the home. It's it's built into our racist society. It's, it's hundreds of years being in America. Right. But when we talk about how we raise our children, which is a point you brought up, and it's also a point that Kanisha brought up in terms of learned behavior. And we're talking about how men treat women when we come back into our own communities. Then women, since you guys are like raising most of the kids, 70 percent of you are raising kids without a father in the home. It comes back to the home. So the question that I'm asking is, as women, since you are left with the burden of raising our young boys and girls, um, do you feel so yes or no question and then elaborate that you take some responsibility on how we are raising our kids? And depending on how we raise these children, it can kind of have an effect and a change for betterment for women's movement. And that question I'm throwing to B. Danielle. Okay, Um, let me just start by saying I'm not a mother. I do not have any children, so I apologize if my answer seems cold. But the reality from my standpoint is, no, we don't take 
full responsibility because we become we begin to overcompensate for what society has done to us. So we begin to shelter our children. We begin to bring them up in a pseudo sense of security or even give them a hyper-extended version of reality as opposed to taking the responsibility of change. Unlike um, the young lady that is on the phone that said, hey, listen, I tell my daughter, you got to be better. you got to do this. you got to do that. But every mother doesn't do that. Every mother doesn't take their child. You know, we have the mothers that go to the school and something is going on and the child did it. But they go going in and argue with the school. The school got video and it shows that the child did it. But the mothers are so ingrained with no, 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 no. I'm going to protect my child. They're not even giving their child the reality. They're taking the reality from their child and raising people who don't take responsibility for themselves. So, no, we don't. Okay. So we're not looking for full blame. We're asking if you take some of the blame. So I'm going to throw that question to Ashley. Some do. Okay. That that was my point. So I'm going to take that question to Ashley. Ashley, do black women take have to take some responsibility in the way that they raise their children in their households and how that has a correlation to how black women are being treated in our society? No. Okay. I have a mother too. I have a six-year-old son and I have a twelve-year-old daughter. My thing is this: as a parent, anyone who's a parent or not, or you know, uncle, whatever. You have to, you're going you're gonna to teach what, what you know is the right common sense thing to do. That doesn't mean that my child will go to, will be out society once you leave this door or house and still be, like, they're still going to judge you. They're still going to treat you how they were taught to treat you. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of what they think is right or wrong, they're still going to they're still gonna treat you that way. That's like saying, well, like a monkey see, monkey do thing. Well, you guys kill yourself. So why can't we kill you? Or your mom doesn't teach you this, so why do I have to teach you this? You know what I mean? We can't. That, I feel like when we do that, when we say, "Oh, it's all our fault," that's when it becomes hurtful to our culture. We can't say that. Yes, as as an adult, as a parent, we need to learn from our mistakes. Okay, common sense wise, you don't want to continue to have babies by someone who's not going to be there. You know, I guess it's common sense, but that does not sugarcoat or cover the fact of. You, you as a society should treat me as a black woman, as a woman, the way I need to be treated. And I wouldn't say I'm a black woman if you wouldn't give me, if you would take care of my importance or what I think is important. You know, I could, I could easily say, yeah, I'm a woman. But when you act like what I, what my black woman um, concerns are are not important, then that's when I speak and say, oh, I'm a black woman. Let me remind you, I'm a black woman. So I need this, this, that, and the third. And my, my family needs this, this, that, and the third. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, well. I'll go ahead and do it. Don't worry about it. No, I'm not going to do that. So, yes, we like as a parent, I know what I got to do. But as a society, no matter what I do, if you're showing me that whatever I do, you're still going to disrespect my kids. You're still going to, you know, disrespect my my culture. Why you can't put that on me? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to receive that either. So, so Kanisha, this <laughs> this question is for you, and I want you to listen to the question carefully. All right, we're not blaming women, black women. And we're not saying you we're not speaking about full responsibility. The question is asking, do black women in general as a whole take some responsibility in how they raise their children and the correlation to how women are being treated in the in society? Right. We talked about um, Chiffon talked about how black men are in the home. She mentioned a little bit about that and some of the issues we deal with. Part of that comes from how they're raised. And we know a lot of these children are being raised without a man in the home. Right. So that that's an issue. That's a whole show in itself. Um, so my question to you mm-hmm. is, do you take you and all black women in general take some responsibility? Do you see that or not? Yes. Yes. Um, as a parent, I do take responsibility in the way that I raise my children. Um especially being accountable for when I do make mistakes um, or when I don't see something that I should have seen um, with rearing my children. So, yes, um, we do take responsibility uh, for the way we raise our children, and I believe that it, it is our responsibility just because we're parents, not just because we're mothers or we are single mothers or whatever the case may be. But just as a parent, yes, we have to be responsible for the way we rear our children. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to bring this question to Melissa, and then I'm going to come to Shafan. We have five minutes left on the show. So, Melissa, do you feel like as a parent that you take responsibility in how your child is going to treat people when she's an adult? And once she becomes an adult, if you feel like she's a detriment to the woman's movement and woman's rights and the responsibility of a woman, do you feel like you still have a responsibility even though she's an adult? I think on an individual basis, I take responsibility for setting a foundation for my daughter. Um, I think as a whole, all parents have a responsibility, and that's why the world is so screwed up right now is because people are blaming other things. People are blaming the media. People are blaming society. People are blaming stuff instead of looking inwards and saying, what can I do to help my child become a better person? So personally, yes, I do take responsibility, but she's also going to take the foundation I've set and everything else she gets around the way, all the other tools and resources she gets as she grows into a woman to make decisions for herself. So I can't, I can only do my foundational part. She's already into the world. She's already in school. So she's getting words and feedback and information from other places. And that's why I work so hard on my side of things now to keep putting in the positive and keep reminding her who she is and keep reminding her that she's royalty and keep reminding her that she's great and keep reminding her that brown is beautiful. But I can't say what messages she's going to receive in the next 20 years that might make her feel differently. So I can't take responsibility about those messages outside because the world is open and we live in a very open society where these messages are everywhere. You're correct. These messages are with their peers. These messages are being taught in schools that it may be different from you. These messages are in our media. They're all around us in our advertisements. So you, you can't take full responsibility, but you acknowledge that you take some responsibility. And I ask that question because we're going to correlate that to how white women are raising their sons. And, you know, white women, white men have the power in this country and women aren't happy. So there's a correlation there what takes place in a home. So that was the point of the question. So I'm going to bring that question to Shafan and then we're going to end it out after she answers this question. So Shafan, do women take um, some responsibility in how they're raising their children in correlation to how women are being treated in society? And once your child becomes an adult, do you feel like you still take responsibility um, if they're not doing the right thing? Well, I think as a parent of nieces and nephews and all children in general, because like I said, starting out, I'm a child advocate. Um, I'm all about human rights, and we're all human beings. And so we do have the power to create change. And so as to answer a question on the, the, the topic of being responsible for mm-hmm. an older person's decisions, I think that's insane. As a parent. Okay. I I can't. Yeah. As a parent, once the unbiblical cord is cut, that's it. In terms of that connection being obvious, right? And so once the unbiblical cord has been severed, you can do all you can with all great intentions to pour into this this new life and and steer it and and raise it raise the young you know the, this young person into a world and do your best to prepare them. I, I just also believe that no one can take responsibility for someone's actions, even if you are an amazing parent. Okay, I think all we can do is prepare them for what's out there, and I just see that being a severe breach in in education and a severe breach in protection. So I just think many young people are going into the world unprepared because there 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 hasn't been a lot of conversations on listen, this is what's out there from A to Z. Okay, all I can do is drill you, share with you, love you, do my best to protect you and you're going to be responsible for some of the choices you make and we know we have to learn by trial and error. In, in some cases, right? And that's all we can 90 do, seconds. Right? But as far as making, creating change and wanting to um, kind of like um, be responsible for what gets perpetuated in society from a parental perspective, I don't think it's fair to, you know, to say anyone is responsible. I just believe people model what they see. So what we can do is be the best example. Got you. And I agree with you 100 percent. I would just say this as a, we mentioned the word community 
I mean, I know BJ and Yell talked about community. 60 seconds. As a community, we should try to get involved. Whether I'm an uncle, a brother, a friend, a neighbor, when we see something that's just kind of not right, you know, pull somebody to the side and let's just chop it up with them and discuss how we can do things a little better. I think that helps society. I think if we leave it to the point where it's like, okay, they're an adult, so they're going to do what they do and my responsibility is done as a person in our society, in our community, in our neighborhoods, um, then we're missing out. So I think we need to step up and help each other so we can have a better place to live. I thank you guys for being panelists on the broadcast. As always, we have live radio broadcasts every first and third Sunday morning of each month. And then every second and fourth Sunday of each month, we have video lessons. So I want you guys to be on the lookout for the video lessons. I want you to watch, comment, share as well. I thank you guys for being panelists. And I'll have all your information on our resource page so people can contact you and speak with you guys further. As always, take care, peace, and love yourself. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.